San Diego's talk radio leader, 760 KFMB presents It's Your Money and Your Life. For the next hour, Richard Musio and Joe Vecchio will educate and inform you on matters related to your financial future, your life, and your leisure. Now, with It's Your Money and Your Life, here are Richard and Joe. Good evening, everybody. My name is Joe Vecchio, your co-host, announcer, and producer, coming to you from KFMB Studios with 50,000 watts of power, heard not just in San Diego County, but Orange County, L.A. County, up the coast of Seattle, down to Cabo, out to the desert on a good night. And if you download the app for 760KFMB, you could hear us on any device as the show airs. All these podcasts are commercial-free on iWayMoney.com, and we are free on iTunes if you search the title of the show. Now time to introduce the main man of the hour. He's a CPA extraordinaire. He's an accomplished marathon runner. He's an accomplished uh, best-selling author, a philanthropist, and a family office expert advising several high net worth families. His name is Richard Musio. Richard, good evening. How are you tonight? Doing great, Joe. I just got back from Hawaii where my wife Mary is moving one of her women's professional tennis tournaments. Yes. Thanksgiving week over to Honolulu. It's called the what? Hawaii? The Hawaii Open. Well, gee. And we had a huge press conference in Hawaii all over TV, all over the newspapers. I got to present right before the governor. David Ige. Very good. Really cool stuff. But more on that later. Yeah, it's on our website, iwaymoney.com. It's on the website. And that's going to happen in November or something. Thanksgiving week. There you go. So exciting stuff. There you go. Hey, recovering from the wonderful, magnificent, stupendous uh, 7th Annual Berry Night Dinner. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't very good. It was. It was great. I mean, it was beyond great. Very good, and I did. Boy, I tell you, Michelle and Bill uh, Lyric, congratulations on a, on another spectacular event. I think it was the biggest one yet. Uh, they took out a lot of picnic tables this year, and uh, just so people could circuit. Did, did you have any of the lamb or smoked lamb? Or I had some of the lamb. It was really incredible. Yeah, you know, they used everything. That, that guy said he went through two lambs and uh, hearts, liver, kidney, everything. He smoked, and everybody ate it. <laughs> it was great. It was great. Everything was great. Right. Yeah, so congratulations. The to, ice cream or sorbet was great. Oh, my gosh. It was just... Goodness was just, sake. Yeah, it was unbelievable. And but she's got to change it to the very great dinner. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we can we can, we can can bring that up at, uh, at the next meeting. So, yeah. But um, anyway, let's see what else is happening. Well, Dick Van Dyke was in town last week, and uh, that was certainly terrific to have him in town. And uh, let's see. We're coming up on the All-Star break. We should probably have... I think we're going to have a special show. We are dedicated to it's the... It's the only Major League Baseball yeah, game that's yeah, going to be played in San yeah. Diego all season. Well, it's still in progress. Because we got the Padres. Yeah, it's still in progress. But uh, anyway, t- tonight we have two fantastic guests. Uh, actually, it's an encore appor- uh, appearance for both of them. But um, I've known this one gentleman for probably more years than I care to admit that he's, he was on the San Diego bench as a Superior Court judge for, I think, about 28 years. We'll get that all confirmed. But... Uh, uh, Spent his entire life in San Diego. He's one of the few rare San Diego natives, born, raised, schooled, all here in San Diego. And without further delay, uh, Judge Robert C. Coates, retired. Uh, welcome to the show. Hi, Joe. <laughs> welcome back to the show. Yeah, well, hey, thanks. Welcome back. And then also uh, we have, because today we're going to focus on mental health and mental illness, uh, we have from the National uh, Alliance of Mental Illness in San Diego, the CEO, Shannon Jacquard. Shannon, welcome back as well. Thank you. Yeah, Thank you. it's terrific. So I thought these first two segments we we talk with with Bob a little bit just for, just to give the the listeners a, a, a sense of your history. Bob, born born, you, if you want to give the year, fine. But uh, born and raised, give us the whole spiel because I know you grew up in the beach area, went to La Jolla High. Tell us tell us all about it. I went to La Jolla High. I was a most valuable baseball player. <laughs> I went to San Diego State. Uh huh. Uh, in grade school, got, you even went got here. Got a degree of Where'd you go to grade school? Tell us of that one. 
PB Elementary. There you go. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Still exists. Is that, now, that's not Crown Point uh, Elementary. PB, no. Oh, PB Elementary is north of uh, uh, Ingram, right? Or, I mean, north of Garnett, right? Right by where yes. the library used to be? Well, that school's still still there. <laughs> still there. What, what position did you play at La Jolla High on the baseball diamond? Third base. Nice. The hot corner. Yeah, Bob's a big baseball enthusiast. And then, um, uh, so you went, and you went to San Diego State, and you went to Cal Western Law School, so you got your law degree here as well. And, yes. And went into... Um, Went into criminal defense uh, initially, right? Uh, that was part of it, but uh, but I represented a lot of injured people. Mm, okay, okay, gotcha, gotcha. Well, the reason we have you here is because your your book has finally it, it's been officially released, correct? Yes. And the title is "Crazy People in Court." <laughs> Does that include just about everybody? Yeah. I'm just, I'm just curious. Well, it does well, because Bob's got well, a. The Bob's, courts are magnets for mentally ill people. Yeah, and actually, Bob, you when you pre- were on the bench, it was about 28 years, right? From it what, was from when to when? It was from uh, what? 80, year? 82 to 2000. There you go. Appointed by which governor? 2010. Which so, which governor appointed you? I think Governor was, Brown. There you go. <laughs> so, so when I wrote my book, everybody told me I was mentally ill. How long did your book take? 25 years. Okay, yeah. well, okay. Well, Bob's got a very compelling personal story because he, he did have a me- mental illness, and, um, and that's what triggered the, the whole motivation behind the book. And I know you spoke at your Rotary Club about this, right, Bob? And um, so maybe you want to give us a little bit of the introductory part of the story? or. Well, when I was in law school, I, uh, Martin Luther King was shot, Bobby Kennedy was shot. I was motivated to start with uh, Bishop McKinney a volunteer program in Southeast San Diego. Mm-hmm. And it was very successful. We had hundreds of people working on Saturdays. And we felt that uh, while other cities were burning, San Diego was spared. And we were a component of that. Mm-hmm. So, And what was your mission? Just to do a community service type work to get people involved? Yes. And, okay. Yes. All right. Um, but uh, when my last year of law school started... When my third year of law school started, I didn't feel that ethically I could drop the project. So I kept working on the project. I Mm -hmm. was going to law school. I was working full time. I was getting about two hours sleep a night Mm. and something had to give. Yeah. And so I had a severe mental breakdown. I was three weeks in the hospital and uh, three days out of the hospital, I started my last year of law school. That was the hardest thing I've ever had to do. Um, I'd sit in the library and and read a sentence, and I'd read the next sentence, and I couldn't remember the first sentence. Mm. And uh, and that can happen to any one of us, I, I believe, if we get too overworked, too stressed, and not enough sleep, well, Richard. Richard. <laughs> <laughs> and one of the things I've come to believe is that is that all of us go in and out of uh, mental symptoms in different times of our life. Yeah. Shannon, yeah. did you want to weigh in on that? Did you have a thought? Is that oh, pretty I, accurate? I mean, yeah. as far as, uh, I mean, we're all prone to, to mental illness. But Bob, did, yeah. did you check yourself into the hospital or did somebody sort of push you in? A friend of mine took me over there and I knew something was wrong. So I would, I, and I, they took me to UCLA mm-hmm. and, uh, and I knew I was in a first class place. So I checked myself in. No, we went to, I thought you went to law school in San Diego. The, uh, I did. Okay, you were in Los Angeles doing what? 
though. I mean, when the when being the show, crazy. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you and Brian Wilson. You know what happened to Brian Wilson? They found him under a tree in Balboa Park from the. the yeah, he went the park. other way. He went from LA down to San Diego. Yeah, yeah exactly. The opposite direction. So, what was the diagnosis, Bob? And uh, and uh, how did they help you? Severe manic stage, severe mm. psychotic break. Mm. Mm. They and, put me on uh, on a heavy dose of Thorazine mm-hmm. and uh, and talking therapy. Mm-hmm. And uh, and when they when they released me to go to law school, uh, they later told me that they had debated uh, putting me in the hospital for five or six months. But they decided that that I was so motivated regarding law that uh, it was worth a try to see if they could call that therapy. Hmm. So, just before my final exams that f- fourth year, um, things got clearer, and suddenly I passed the exams. Uh, I worked my fanny off. I passed the bar exam the first try. You were getting more sleep. I would ho- I would hope by then, right? <laughs> no, you betcha. Okay. Yeah, and uh, and I never had a problem after that, and I never looked back. But because of this, I wound up representing hundreds of mentally ill people, Mm -hmm. and I became a a leader in the trial lawyers. And my argument to Governor Brown was, look, I'm a unique character. You're not going to find a guy like me, and I'll be an asset on the bench. Mm -hmm. And he bought it. Yeah. And then, of course, you became a big advocate for the homeless as well, and I'm sure you met uh, met up with people who were having mental issues in, uh, when you were doing that, right? Of course. Yeah. At least a third of the homeless are deeply mentally ill. Yeah. And, of course, you have, your prior book is uh, A Home is a Street is Not a Home, right? Uh, yes. That's on solutions to homelessness. Yeah. Yeah. So um, so your book was just, I guess you've been writing this for 25 years, different chapters about different characters and people and individuals you've run across in court. Yeah, when and, some really interesting character would show up, like Sergeant Major Ninja, uh-huh. uh, I would take <laughs> notes. Well, that's one of your chapters. And, um, well, why don't you just pick out one of your chapters if you want to talk well, about I've got to hear about Sergeant Major Ninja. Yeah, okay. Tell us about him, uh, Bob. Uh when we when they showed up. Oh wait a minute, maybe we got to do that after. I just realized we're we're on a, coming up on a break right now though. Uh, Mike, let's have a little music and we'll come right back. Sergeant with Judge, Major Ninja, we'll be right back. Yeah, with Judge, Judge Bob Coates and Shannon Jacquard. Hang on. <laughs> All right, we are back. I love that song, Green Acres. Yes. Anyway, we're back with Judge Bob Coates, Shannon Jacquard, CEO of NAMI, National Alliance for Mental Illness, San Diego. And, of course, Judge Bob Coates has his book coming out uh, right about middle of July um, called Crazy People in Court. And we wanted to talk about, I guess, one of your uh, people came through your courtroom, uh, Sergeant Major Ninja. That's one of the 30 chapters. And uh, this was a fun guy. He was crazy as a hoot owl. And he showed up, he showed up in a sergeant major jacket uh, from the Marine Corps. What was he charged with, by the way? He was charged with dealing in cocaine. Mm. And they waived jury and had the trial in front of me. And uh, uh, what I hadn't noticed initially was that he had some nifty black shoes on, ninja <laughs> shoes. And he wanted to be called Sergeant Major Ninja. And uh, 
he testified, and when he uh, when he tr came to trust me, he confessed to me very shyly who he really was, which was the commander in chief, and he confessed that he had ordered himself to go undercover and be involved in this cocaine deal mm. uh, as a matter of national security. Well, hey, as long as it made the country better. And, Sounds uh, like that senator from Pennsylvania, but yeah. never mind, was shoving money and, in his And pocket. he had an excellent public defender. Public defender had gotten him just as squared away as he could be squared away. He was in a board and care home. He was seeing a psychiatrist. He was going to meetings. Um, and so I put him on probation, ordered him to keep doing all those things he was doing. And so the last time I saw him, he came arriving late and I was already engaged in a jury trial. So he showed me from the door a, a bunch of papers in his hand and I, I knew they were the proofs that he was supposed to have. So I've, I motioned for him to go over to my bailiff. Eventually I got those papers, I checked them out, everything was okay. Uh, I gave him a thumbs up. He went back to my door, waited courteously until nobody was looking at him, and then he saluted me, <laughs> and I saluted him. So this was, this was the executive saluting the judiciary and the judiciary <laughs> saluting him back, and it was way cool. And that was the last you saw of him? Or? That was the last I saw of Sergeant Major Ninja. <laughs> Now this wasn't regular uh, court. This was this. Uh, isn't there a court just for the mentally ill? This was regular court. Okay, but now well, you sat on the bench. And the presiding judges sent me every crazy guy they could find because they knew I were I was patient with them. Ah, gotcha. And sometimes I understood the diagnosis. Gotcha. But now over time, hasn't there been courts for uh, domestic violence, which I know you sat on the bench there, and then one for just for mentally ill? Now I don't. Is that what they call them? mental illness it's court? A mental health court. Mental health court. There's a. There are two mental health courts, uh, and there used to be a special division for domestic violence. I presided there for a year. Mm. So those must be tough cases to to. Uh, preside over every fascinating day, stuff yeah, fascinating basis. stuff and i never lost anybody in the year yeah. that i was there yeah well there's one story i don't know if it is in this book but you've told you've told me before about when you were uh, an attorney a criminal defense attorney and uh, you were representing um someone charged with murder from columbia and i just i think that's a fascinating story that you're you took your own personal issues and you remember that when you're arguing to the jury <laughs> <laughs> Oh, uh, Joe. Why don't you tell us? That's actually in the book. It is in the book. And, okay, good. And Which... I was representing this young man charged with murder. He had he had shot and killed a Sharp Hospital employee in the hospital parking lot. And he was from South America, right? He was he was his parents were from Colombia. Mm. Okay. And we uh, I was able to uh, put on a psychiatrist who wouldn't quite reach the conclusion we needed in order to have this young man kept in the juvenile court. He was 17 and a half years old. Hmm. And, and I told the psychiatrist, uh, Dr. Kashkarian, that uh, that was just fine. We'd get his testimony. And then what I didn't tell the psychiatrist was that I would put on three other witnesses to impeach the psychiatrist's conclusions. Hmm. And the judge bought it. 
Hmm. And we won that case, and it was kept in juvenile court. And, uh, and, uh, of course, hit, yeah, but when you made your front closing arguments, you were going through some personal issues yourself. Yeah, right? what happened was my, the eventual mother of my children, Mimi, uh, three days before that hearing started, uh, decided to break off the engagement and go back to San Francisco. And so uh, it was a very sad case, very sad testimony. And so as I was examining the kid's father, I started crying. (laughs) And I didn't stop. I just kept on. I kept calling witnesses one after another, and I kept crying. Pretty soon the probation officer's crying. (laughs) And then the soft-hearted prosecutor's crying. (laughs) And the judge is crying. Everybody's crying. And I didn't slow down. I just kept going. Was the jury there? Was, you have a jury or this was a bench trial? You don't, you don't have a jury in okay. juvenile court. Okay. So everyone's crying and um, you're, you're uh, going through I think that person. may have affected the court. <laughs> I hope so. Anyway, the, not, he was exonerated, the, the young man. He right? wasn't exonerated, oh. but he was kept in juvenile court. Mm. And then I, we uh, confessed to the truth of the charges and he was sent to the youth authority, and he spent several years there. Okay. But and, then, and then when he got out, uh, I found out later that uh, he went to Columbia. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, no mention was made to me of him being involved in the drug cartels, but who knows? Yeah. And, uh, and then he called me two months ago from Columbia. And he had another case that he'd uh, gotten while he was in the Youth Authority. He was charged with smuggling heroin into the Youth Authority. Oh <laughs> and, uh, and he wanted a referral to a criminal <laughs> attorney. And I referred him and uh, never heard from him again. Wow. Good luck with that. But uh, anyway, just an amazing. It was it was interesting that you were dealing with your own personal you know crisis and and that translated into your a successful event. And I and I I later married Mimi on time that January. Yeah, but I mean, look, it worked out for you. You have how many beautiful kids now? You have two, Cameron and Whitney. You have a granddaughter now, right? Granddaughter Robin. Yes. Any of the kids go into law? No, they never saw me practicing law or. Uh, and uh, their mother became an attorney, and she didn't really enjoy it that much. Yeah, but Cameron's quite the scientist, right? He's got Cameron's a got a Ph.D. in marine biology. Yeah, and he's wow. doing great research work up in uh, uh, Northern California. Which uh, which institution is he with these days? He was with the uh, UC UC Berkeley um, or something or up Berkeley. There. Yeah, but he's laboratory. He's great about en- environmental science, and of course, his wife used to work here at Channel Eight. As a, a producer, or she did Simone Coates. Yeah, oh, I know Simone. <laughs> okay, that's her. There you go. And Small world. Yeah, fantastic person. So yeah, absolutely, that, that's closing the circle there quite a bit. But um, so the book is going to come out. We'll have to have some book release parties for you, Bob, and get you maybe at Warwick's or something. And have, I'm with you. Yeah, and the, I'm determined to have an absolutely great time with this book. Yeah, it was fun writing it. And it's going to be fun reading it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we've got about, uh, you know, a minute and a half here. Is there one more story? Have we mentioned a website, Joe? Uh, is there a website for, for this, Bob? There or? will be one. Yeah, okay. we don't ha- quite have that Crazy yet. People in Court. Yeah, just go to Crazy okay. People Crazy in Court. Crazy People in Court. Dot <laughs> com. <laughs> well, hopefully. Do you have that URL, Bob, yet, or we don't know yet? 
Say again. Do you, ha- do you have that website yet, crazypeopleincourt.com, or we don't know yet? I don't know yet. Okay. Well, we're working on that. Well, is there one more story you'd like to tell us or anything you'd like to conclude with in terms of mental illness as it, uh, as it affects all of us today in today's world? Obviously, it's in the news you're hearing. Well, having had the experience that I've had, uh, one of my conclusions is that many, many people have mental uh, aberrations, and, and most people, if they have half a brain, turn it into an asset. Mm-hmm. I certainly did. Yeah. Abraham Lincoln certainly did. That's Teddy sure. Roosevelt certainly did. Winston Churchill. Sure. Yeah. I think I read a book about all those gentlemen, and they suffered depression and all, and, and very troubling things. And uh, they obviously. Uh, it took uh, Lincoln until he was 45 years old for him to uh, come to the conclusion that his depression was something that he had to live with. Yeah. Shakespeare. And he had to yeah. keep as an advantage because when he was depressed, he could see things that other people couldn't see. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Bob, thank you so much. Judge Bob Coates, folks, we'll look for the Crazy book. People in Court. We'll, we'll have the information on our website. And we'll come back with Shannon Jacquard from the uh, National Alliance for Mental Illness right after this. Hang on. We're back with the award-winning It's Your Money and Your Life, and this is the time where Richard likes to thank our sponsors. Now I'm going to give them a little bit more time than they got last Saturday because yes. you know, we were just so very busy at the very good night. Yeah, with eight dinner. guests. I prefer two to eight, but anyway. I know, that was a lot of guests. <laughs> uh, did a great job of keeping them in line. Anyway, big thank you to UBS, Michael Caronta. Michael's actually in studio with us today, just hanging out. Couldn't do the show without UBS. Our favorite CPAs on the planet, two groups of them, Signature Analytics, with Jason Kruger, CPA, great CFO service firm. Also, more traditional CPAs, Polito Epic CPAs with Don Epic and Paul Polito. If you want to make some money, how about Joel Gruskin with Cost Segregation Initiatives, helping real estate owners improve their cash flow. Also, Brenda Geiger, the Geiger Law Office, specializing in estate planning and asset protection. Our favorite bankers on the planet, Sean Puckett, Lane Elliott with California Republic Bank, really neat niche market bank that works with wealthy families and family offices. Hub International, formerly known as Mars Maddox Insurance with Neil Staley, an absolutely incredible employee benefits firm. Also, the LG Experience and the Lombardi Group, helping wealth advisors make heroes out of CPAs to the CPA's very best clients. And the LG Experience has a great continuing education event coming up at Omni La Costa Resort on July 11th, 12th, and 13th. In fact, I think Michael Caranta from UBS is going to be attending, and I'm warning everybody I'm going to be speaking, so that's the day you don't want to come. <laughs> Otherwise, you have to put up with me. Also, Hearthstone Private Wealth Management and their CEO, Paul Hines, who heads up the Senior SaferSound.org initiative here in San Diego, helping to prevent financial elder abuse. And then, of course, Nathan Watkins, mortgage broker with Worldwide Credit. Interest rates remain low. Great time to buy or refinance. Nathan Watkins with Worldwide Credit. I'm getting hungry. How about you, Joe? And for that, that that possibility or that eventuality, what can we do for well, great absolutely. listeners? Well, you can get over to Lestat's Coffee Houses. One of their, uh, actually, they have two locations, about to open their third on University. The first two are Normal Hikes and University Hikes. They're open 24-7, 365. Everything is made fresh on site, and the coffee is great. And the music ain't too bad. And the music is great also uh, at Lestat's West at the original site on Adams, by the way. 
I had a great open mic on Monday nights, stand-up comedy Tuesday, and, and live music the rest of the week. Uh, also, the Very Good Food Foundation and Michelle uh, ciccarelli Lirac. Uh, we thank them for being one of our sponsors as well. And I know uh, most of these sponsors, uh, sponsors have been working with you, Richard, for uh, many years with great success, right? Some cases, 30 years, <laughs> since I was seven years old. <laughs> All right, if you want to admit to it, that's fine with me. But anyway... Uh, Encore guest for this segment is uh, the CEO of the National Alliance for Mental Illness here in San Diego, and Shannon Jacquard, uh, welcome back. Uh, you had a profound story that got you interested uh, in in this. Maybe you tell us a little bit about your history, though. Are you from San Diego, too, or no? Uh, most of my life, so uh -huh. since I was 11 years old. Gotcha. Where were you born? Fairly native. San Francisco. Oh, nice. Gotcha. Yeah. Me, gotcha. too. Gotcha. Yeah, me and my brother. Good. And... Um, so your education was down here mostly? Uh-huh, yeah. Went where? to UCSD. Okay. And then I uh, got my master's at San Marcos State. Okay. In what, and got your degree in what, though? My undergrad is in political science. Okay. So I actually did think about becoming an attorney. Uh-huh. And then switched gears and got my MBA. At Cal State San Marcos, uh -huh. right? Yeah. Outstanding. And then that's where my life changed. Tell us about that. So when I was getting my MBA, that's when my brother who was uh, four years younger than myself, started exhibiting symptoms that we as a family thought were drug and alcohol related. How old was he? He's he, at the time, was probably 18, 19. Okay. And, and a lot of uh, families in the U.S. kind of have some understanding of drug and alcohol, so you kind of go there when you mm -hmm. know it's not something else. But you completely dismiss mental illness for a variety of reasons. One is complete lack of education, and two is uh, stigma, shame, uh, guilt, all those other attributes that come with mental illness. And so he was sent to drug and alcohol treatment. And that's when they kind of, they called us and said, no, this isn't, this isn't drug and alcohol. There could be components of that. Uh, and a lot of times there are dual diagnoses between drug and alcohol and mental illness, but he was definitely needing to have more care for his mental health mm -hmm. than the drug and alcohol. So diagnosed what, schizophrenic or? He was diagnosed with schizophrenia. However, um, uh, I think that actually his, his more troubling symptom, and I really encourage more dealing with the symptoms that are bothering you and leave aside the diagnosis. The diagnosis is needed maybe for certain treatments or for billing purposes and all that other good stuff. But really it's the symptoms that you need to work on and seek out the treatment and improve on uh, for. And he really was dealing more with anxiety. Was there... Um Anything, well, I guess maybe it was just uh, anything that triggered it, a breakup with a girlfriend, or were, was there any substance involved? Uh, and by the way, growing up, is there anything that you noticed that uh, he might have been different uh, from time to time that, that uh, you saw? Yeah, you know, when you look back, you can always see a lot more things that you've missed uh, during those periods. And we had moved from San Francisco to San Diego. Mm -hmm. I think that it was a little difficult for him. Adjusting. The, yeah. Adjusting to the new place. Uh, it, when you would talk to him about when his symptoms really started showing, he said he was 15. That's when he started feeling different, different mm -hmm. from his peers. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, there's little physical attributes that were different, like his growth, even though he ended up six feet tall as an adult during high school, he was very short. Mm -hmm. And that also can have a difference on kids is yeah. their mental state. I'll tell you, adolescence is a challenging it's, time yeah. and not everyone, you know, it's a big, well, we, we, we're older now and we forget, but that adjustment it's period, hard. you know, how to fit in with your peers and this and that. And, um, yeah. So, so did he have a hard time being in public because of anxiety? 
No. Uh, so he he was actually loved being around people. He was voted class clown. He was a skateboarder. He was extremely active, loved kids. And they, they he was like a little kid magnet. They mm-hmm. loved to, to play with him. Uh, so no, he didn't have that. And schizophrenia generally has that where you can't, you're not really comfortable right. being around people in public Mm -hmm. and stuff Mm -hmm. but he thrived on friendships however when he was diagnosed with this label schizophrenia he lost all of his friends and it seemed like overnight basically he Mm -hmm. was 19 the diagnosis i don't think it was the behavior i think was the word Mm -hmm. of that particular illness uh, lost his friends so i actually started a program to provide people who have a mental health challenges with friendship because even as an adult it's hard to make friends, period. I heard a TED talk on this, and the guy said addiction, um, it really is social connections that, mm-hmm. um, you know, if you lose those, you're getting a, you can get into a lot of trouble. Yeah, so. we're, we're definitely very much social, social yeah. beings, yeah. Uh, and we need to be around other people yeah. as much as possible. Yeah. Well, so tell us what happened to your brother, because it's a, kind of a sad story. Um, so yeah, so so normally I have a lot of my staff do the more uplifting talks of recovery and, and just know that recovery really is possible and uh, treatment helps and 90% of people see symptoms reduction. But for my brother, he ended up in a situation where he was in a hospital for a, a really too long period of time and they ended up um, restraining him in a five-point prone restraint, and at 25, he had a heart attack and oh. passed away. Mm-hmm. And, of course, they were giving him um, a lot of medication, a lot right? Of, a lot of medication, yeah. yeah. And had him face yeah. down and everything. So, yeah. But um, anyway, so that triggered you to dive into this mental illness uh, uh, It was area. way before that. Really? Oh, yeah. So I started this work uh, five years before he passed away. Mm. Okay. Uh, yeah. And then National Alliance for Mental Illness, when did you get involved with them? Then, so about 2003 Mm -hmm. is when I started working with the National Alliance for Mental Illness, Sonami San Diego. And it started very small, right? And I know Judge Coates uh, um, played a big role, I guess, in helping them get established as far as office space and and helping them that way, right, Bob? That's true. There were two women who founded NAMI, and they came to me when I was president of the Mental Health Association, and they said they needed an office, a place to make telephone calls and make copies. Mm-hmm. And they were they were forming an advocacy group. Yeah, And it was clear to me that the Mental Health Association was not doing the right job yeah. in advocacy. They were not vigorous enough. Yeah, And so, of course, I let these ladies uh, do it. And yeah. I'll be darned if they didn't found what is now this huge, very powerful national advocacy group, yeah. NAMI. Uh, Shannon, tell us how big it's grown from when. From when that, it, when from was that, it founded, by the, the way? So 1974. Okay. Yeah. And then she got involved in '03, and um, and tell us how, how many were in staff when you started, and how many now? Because it's really. So impressive. we had we had 16 staff uh, when I took over as the CEO, and now six and a half years later, we're up to 55, and we're hiring actually as I speak. Yeah. We're and growing some more. And serving hundreds, thousands, I guess. Oh, thousands, yeah. yeah. We have millions that yeah. come to our website yeah. every month. Anyway, we're going to come out of our break right now. We're coming back with Shannon Jacquard, CEO of NAMI San Diego, right after this. Hang on. All right. Speaking of psychology, the Bob, Bob Newhart, Newhart Show. <laughs> I used to like that show. 
probably is not much like that in real life. But anyway, back well, to he, he was an accountant in real life before know, he became a comedian. But I mean, he played a psychologist I know, on, on that, that show. show. Right. Anyway, we're back with Shannon Jacquard, CEO of National Alliance for Mental Illness here in San Diego. And Shannon, uh, tell us you have a new app that you're about to release, right? Yeah, so we're very excited that we received a contract with County of San Diego, and we call it Tech Cafe. Cafe stands for Consumer and Family Empowerment, and we run a bunch of different programs around using technology, understanding how to use laptop, back-to-work programs, sort of things. And in this contract, we developed what we're calling OSCAR. It's an organized support companion in emergency situations app. It'll be released this month, actually, and is really geared towards those moments when you or your family member uh, end up in an emergency department mm-hmm. or emergency situation because of a mental health issue and to help navigate you through the system, especially if you're in the emergency department for hours. Let's get you started with what are the next steps right away instead yeah. of waiting. So to find the app that they go, um, go in your app store and look up what? Yeah, so you should this month be able to just go to your iTunes or the App Store and, and put in Oscar, so O-S-C-E-R. O-S-C-E-R, okay. Yeah. And I'm sure they get information on your website, too. Correct. N-A-M-I, M as in Michael, I, San Diego, all spelled out, NamiSanDiego.org, and you can find out more there. So your th- I see from your mission, uh, it, it's uh, threefold. It's it's supporting people with, with mm-hmm. mental illness. It's, it's education, and it's uh, advocacy, so... Maybe you could um, focus on those three components there and, and how do you do that? Sure. So uh, advocacy is the best way to say how NAMI San Diego was really started. So it was mostly founded by actually mothers whose sons had schizophrenia. And they were constantly being told in the 70s that it was their fault, that Mm. they are the ones that caused their child's illness. And they were separated from their child which is just a horrible thing because if your child has a need and you're a, a loving, supportive family, you really want to build this family back up and how they can really support one another. And so they marched. They marched on Capitol Hill, and they really grew from this advocacy level of we need more services for our loved ones. We need um, support for ourselves as family members. And so then that leads really to the support and education piece. So mm-hmm. in the support and education, we have support groups for family members of an individual who has a mental illness. We have support groups for individuals who have a mental illness themselves. We have education programs uh, that are 12 weeks long. And you're with other family members or other individuals with a mental illness who have a very similar experience. Mm-hmm. And you can really know that you're not alone when you're going through this process and mm-hmm. learn from one another on how maybe you can help your your adult child out and how maybe certain situations you're actually hurting the situation because of raising voice, you know, how to keep calm, how to uh, redirect all that good stuff to really understand what is going on. Yeah. Well, obviously, you know, a a family situation, if there's a, you know, family member who is suffering a mental illness, uh, not only does that person need help, but the other people in the family, how to deal with Mm -hmm. the situation and how, you know, how they're reacting and, and that can be just as you know, like the caretakers are just uh, yes. stressed out. They they need they need some some help as well in group there. I, I yes would think. yes actually a research just came out about caregivers and their their needs uh, specifically and the mental health needs. I mean the the brain is an important piece of our body mm-hmm. and we have to take care of it. And really, like Judge Coates was saying, all of us at some point are going to be dealing with periods of depression, and anxiety, Absolutely. and it's just how do you keep the health going? Yeah. So, so question, I know prescription yeah. drugs sometimes utilize, speaking extremely generally, do you think those are being used appropriately or is there a tendency towards over-medication? 
Well, um, I think th that that's a million dollar question, really. I, I think that there are cases where we really do need prescription drugs, that they assist in many ways. I think that you sh it's a great idea to combine that with some other studies that are showing, you know, health under folic acid and all the other good uh, treatments that are naturopath and combining the two together. I think that the biggest thing when you're on a prescription drug by a psychiatrist is to make sure you're getting your regular health checkup all the time because people are dying on average 25 years younger mm -hmm. than the general population. So just make sure that you're checking your blood pressure. What do you think of these kids in school? I guess they're using Adderall now to study or something, uh, some, mm. uh, right? Have you heard about this? No. Uh -uh. Yeah, they're using some... So Stay I up. mean, if you're, I mean, if you're, don't, good, don't be self-prescribing, folks right. out, out there. Now, let let's say you have a coworker or a friend or somebody who's exhibiting, you know, all of a sudden uh, weird behavior. Could we get a hold of your? What do you recommend? Get a hold of your organization or? Yeah. So I, these are two numbers that I would definitely recommend always having. One is the Access and Crisis Line because we are not a crisis service. And what number is that? And that is one eight eight eight. One triple eight. Seven two four. Seven two four. Seven two four zero. Seven two four zero. Like seven twenty four. Seven twenty four zero. Yes. One triple eight. Yes. Okay. And then, so they're. And they'll they'll take you to the county or. Uh, yeah, this is the county's access and crisis line. Okay. They will make sure they are all trained therapists that will answer the phone. This is all anonymous. They even have a chat line. Mm -hmm. So if you're not comfortable calling, go to the website and you can just chat with them uh, via the Internet. Okay. And then NAMI San Diego's number is 1-800-523-5933. And we also have a chat line, too. Which is on the top of your website, the helpline. And we'll get that all on our website, iymoney.com, as well. So... But um, so you're up to 55 people and yeah. growing, right? Yeah. And, and yeah, serving just, how many San Diegans would you say? Oh, geez, uh, thousands. Uh, uh, you know, that's that's a good question. Uh, our annual report we try to always post on the website, but it's it's in the tens of thousands Isn't for that sure. Something? However, I will say that there are 750,000 individuals in San Diego County who have a mental illness. So you can fill Qualcomm Stadium 10 times. So while we've grown and are able to support a lot more people than we've been able to in the past, there's still many, many people out yeah. there. And, and, and what percentage like, of the population simply isn't getting sufficient support, do you think, if you had to guess? Oh, uh, you know, CNN just reported we're at a 30-year high in suicide rates. I know. I saw that. So I would say a good majority of folks are just not seeking out treatment. However, we have, in San Diego County at least, seen an increase in reaching out. Yeah. So there's been an increase in calls to the Access Crisis Line, increase in yeah. seeking out services at emergency departments. So this is good. This means people uh, stigma might be decreasing slightly because there's more help-seeking behavior. And, and then in addition to the success story of Judge Coates here, uh, can you give us some other success stories? Obviously, people are getting treatment and getting and getting help and turning their lives back around, right? Well, of my staff, of my 55 staff, 75% of them have a mental illness, and the rest of them are family members of somebody with a mental illness. So uh, that's NAMI San Diego is an example mm -hmm. of that, of recovery being possible. Um, most of my staff are trained to use their own personal stories and experience to assist another person who is really struggling at this moment in time to walk them through the next phase and how recovery really is possible. It's a journey, but mm -hmm. how do you get from being currently in the county emergency department to being at a clinic somewhere and receiving services and support? So just that alone is, yeah. a, huge, is yeah. a huge story. Maybe getting Judge Coach to speak to some because Bob, you're going to be speaking on, about your book, right? I know you did at Rotary Club. Maybe uh, yeah. Shannon can use you as a resource. How about that? 
Would you be up for that? That'd be way cool. <laughs> I'd love to team up. <laughs> wonderful, wonderful. Um, well, any any concluding thoughts? We've got a couple of minutes to go here. Um, as far as your work or any, we've got the app, we've got the uh, website. What else would you like to tell us? So a lot of people always ask me, why are people with mental illness not seeking out help? Or if they just remained on their medicines and you know nothing bad in the world would ever happen. And uh, what I want to really say to that is that it's the only illness that you have where you're brought in usually to seek out treatment via the back of a police car and handcuffs. So we, and, and this is for a variety of reasons, this is not a blame thing, but so this happens and it really kind of breaks down those bonds of trust right mm -hmm. away. So you have a hard time wanting to really reach out and seek out for help in the future if you've had this forced treatment uh, as your initial step to seeking out mental health treatment. So a lot of people, a lot of stuff that NAMI San Diego does and a lot of other organizations do is really try to build back those bonds of trust between the individual who needs the help and the provider who wants to provide the help because mm -hmm. that takes time. And really keeping that family because they are the number one support system together as much as possible. Mm -hmm. So know that you know, you're definitely not alone. One in four families are struggling through this and uh, that we're here yeah, that's great. Great resource. NAMI San Diego, N-A-M-I, that's Nicholas A. Michael I, San Diego.org, San Diego all spelled out. And, of course, Bob Coates with his great book, Crazy People in Court, which I'm, I'm assuming we can get on Amazon or somewhere uh, as soon as it's released. Right, Bob? That's true, Joe. Okay, wonderful. It's supposed wonderful. to be released, it looks like, in July. Yeah. Anyway, July. Yeah. Yeah. anyway, we're about to wrap up right here. But uh, thank you so much for being our guest, Shannon Jacquard and Bob Coates, Judge Bob Coates. Richard Musio, always great to see you. Thanks for coming into the studio, Michael Caranta and Bob Miner, friends of the show. All and, kinds of guests. Today. And thanks to Mike Hansen, our, uh, our, our board, our engineer, for making it sound terrific. And thanks to Craig Blanke and Dave Sniff here at KFMB. All these podcasts are commercial-free on iowamoney.com, and we'll see you next week. Bye-bye now.